Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hey everyone. If you're listening to this episode when it first comes out, I want to wish you a happy Christmas Eve and a very Merry Christmas. I really can't believe that we're already getting close to the end of 2020. For those of you who have been keeping up with De-Stress December, I hope you're finding yourself feeling more well-rested and a lot more relaxed this month. For those of you who are new to the podcast, De-Stress December is my 30-day wellness challenge to help all of us end 2020 on a more positive note, feeling happier and healthier. Every day, we tackle a different area of stress management and wellness, from positive affirmations to practicing radical kindness. You can grab the full schedule at wellnessandwanderlust.net. You don't have to do it in order. You don't have to do everything on the list. Just do what's going to work for you and follow along on Instagram at wellnessandwanderlustblog. You can tag me in your posts and in your stories and use the hashtag DestressDecember. Now, I am so excited to share today's guest with all of you. Cynthia Velasco is the founder of Prosecco and Planners, a blog that covers planners and planning, lifestyle topics, home, health, and so much more. On Cynthia's YouTube channel, she shares how she keeps her life organized with paper planners. Her Plan With Me videos are truly therapeutic to watch. 2020 has been such a chaotic year to say the least, and I know that my own planning systems haven't been as effective this year, so I was really excited to chat with Cynthia about how we can get organized for 2021. In this episode, we talk about how listeners can up-level their planning game in the new year, how to stay motivated while working from home, and how to set goals that really stick. We also discuss the power of gratitude and how we've both created more purpose and intention in our lives this year. I'll let Cynthia tell you more. Now let's dive into this episode. Hey, Cynthia, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me, Valerie. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Now, why don't you tell our listeners a little about yourself? So I'm Cynthia, Cynthia Velasco, and I am a social media manager in the Orlando area for the library system here. And besides that, that's my full-time job. I'm a wife and mother. My husband just graduated from UCF this year with a degree in electrical engineering right in the middle of a pandemic. And so I've been supporting him on that journey over the last seven years, going back for his undergrad and finally accomplishing that this year. And then I'm a mom. I have a six-year-old little boy who has been in school, out of school, virtual school, uh, all throughout the course of this last year. And during all that time, I've also been deeply invested in my hobby, which has been something that's been important to me since I had my son back in 2014. And that is planners and paper planning. I have a blog called Prosecco and Planners. It's www.proseccoandplanners.com and on my blog. And then also with my YouTube and Instagram that are kind of also part of that brand. I'm Cynthia Plans on both channels there. Uh, I kind of just share with my community and with the world what I do to stay organized, how I use my paper planner to stay on track, stay motivated, stay accountable to my goals, uh, set goals for myself, check in with where I'm at mentally and emotionally, and kind of just on my my journey of this life that I'm living every single day. And that's kind of me in a nutshell. 
That's awesome. And I just have to say, I absolutely love the name Prosecco and Planner. (laughs) So many people do. I get a lot of compliments on it. And honestly, it's an iteration of a blog that I've had over the years. So I've done a lot of different blogs over the years and either haven't stuck with them or they just weren't the right fit or were, you know, topics or niche things that weren't as important to me uh, as I grew and matured. And this blog, uh, I waited a really long time before I started this one. And it's probably one of the best ones I've ever made. And the one that I feel most passionate about, I feel like it's the most reflective one of me and the one that when I came up with the name for it, I was like, okay, I think I finally like hit the one that's going to work at this. Like, you know how you find like the perfect bag or the perfect pair of shoes or something like that or whatever. And you're like, this just fits, this feels right. Like that's how that blog feels to me. So I appreciate that. That is incredible. And I think it's a topic that so many people can relate to and find value in, especially in a year that has been really challenging to plan. And I would love to know what sparked your interest in planning and in the planner community. So as I mentioned, I had my son in 2014 and my son is the one thing in life that was completely unplanned for me. (laughs) So obviously becoming a mother and dealing with something as life-changing and revolutionary as having your first kid kind of just throws everything into chaos. So um, my goal always with my planning is to make sense of this uh, chaos kind of almost like an organized chaos. Uh, I'm never going to have total and complete control over everything that's happening because things, you know, rarely ever go according to plan, especially when you try and and make them so. But it's my way of kind of having some measure of sanity and control for myself uh, as I'm a mother, because being a a mother, being a full-time parent, um, full-time employee, wife, like I said, my son, or excuse me, my husband was in school during the course of my son's life, or most of it at least, uh, or excuse me, all of it. All of that time trying to make sure that our schedules weren't conflicting, that we had babysitting uh, covered, that I, if I had a networking thing, that my husband would be home or that my mother-in-law could come and watch my son. So planning for me was just kind of way to a way to keep us organized and make sense of the chaos that is our lives on a daily basis because all three of us have different schedules. Our schedules have changed quite dramatically over the last year in particular, but definitely the last six years that my son has been alive, you know. He was a child that stayed with his grandparents. Then he went to daycare for a while. Now he's in public school. And so his schedules changed quite a bit. My husband has worked and then he's taken time off from work to do school school full time. Then he's started a job again. So our life is constantly changing. It's actually funny because I'm the one that keeps us all organized and my schedule is so rarely the one that changes. I've been working at my job for almost 10 years and my schedule has pretty much always been Monday through Friday, eight to five. Um, but having that stability and my family knowing that I'm kind of the glue that's keeping us and holding us all together by staying organized and using planners as a tool to do that um, has suited us and has been a useful way of, you know, like I said, controlling the chaos as best as we can. I think we could all stand to control the chaos. (laughs) (laughs) That is is awesome. And I think for many of us, um, probably most of our listeners have some organizational system they might use. For me, I've always really enjoyed writing things down, but I'm very, very new to anything, you know, remotely related to the planner community. And so I think for a lot of people, 
it can be hard to get started. You have all these different types of planners, the different sizes, Hobonichi I saw on your page. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd love to know for those who really, you know, are brand new to the world of planning or they want to really tighten up their organizational system for the coming year, what can listeners do to get started? So I started uh, in this fancy planner community, like I said, back in 2014. But before that, I was always using a very simple uh, weekly planner or daily planner or something like that from Office Depot or Target. And that's why where I encourage people to start if they've never done any sort of paper planning. If you are kind of the sort of person that's like, I've been doing that, but I think I could go a little bit deeper because this is suiting my needs, but I also see areas where I can improve upon what my current system is, then I would encourage you to take like basically do an analysis, take stock of what you currently have. So let's say you have a weekly planner and you're like, this is great for a bird's eye view and all that sort of stuff. But really, I also have a monthly section in this planner, which also gives me a bird's eye view of any sort of appointments or um, a commitment or anything like that that you have going on during the course of the month. What I really need is something that's going to help me time block better during the day or that's going to help me make, make better use of my time on a daily basis. Well, then maybe it's time to graduate from a weekly uh, layout into a daily layout with a hourly setup where literally you can say from 8 a.m. in the morning or 6 a.m. in the morning until 8, 9 o'clock at night you can literally map out all aspects of your day. So I would say take it, you know, evaluate, take stock of what you're currently using and then do some research and just start Googling what's out there for, you know, daily planner or hourly planner or whatever it might be. Maybe you're someone who's like, I don't really need all of that. That's what my digital planning, whether you're using iCal or Outlook or something like that or Google Calendar. Um, But I need something that's like a monthly calendar that we could just have for our family, kind of make it like home base where everybody can write down their things so we can stay on top of each other's commitments and we're not overbooking ourselves then maybe you just get a monthly planner. Um, So that's what I would say to people. And if you have questions, you can always reach out to me or other folks that you come across in the planner community. The planner community is very friendly and we love to talk about planners. So we will be happy to give you all of our recommendations for what we think might be suitable for you and what your needs might be. That is something I will definitely be taking you up on. <laughs> I'm, I fall into that camp of someone that, you know, I write down everything in my weekly planner, but I have found this year with working from home and being involved in different things and probably having undiagnosed ADHD, that time blocking has been very valuable for me. But right now I'm doing it on a post-it. And so I know that my system for next year is going to need a little bit more of that organization. And so I will definitely be looking into those. I would love to know for you, you know, you actually post YouTube of this, but what does your planning process look like? And how far in advance do you start planning? And what what all do you include? So you're right. I do kind of share some insight into how my planning process works. And I do that every Tuesday on my YouTube channel with uh, Plan With Me's is what we call them in the community. And so that is kind of my time to like set myself up. I mean, obviously I'm recording myself, but set myself up with some alone time to 
really take stock of everything that I have coming up in the coming week. And I am someone who I'm not as minimalist as some other people that are out there. And I will fully admit that Uh, it's my goal to one day be a minimalist planner, but I like stickers and pretty sparkly things just a little bit too much to commit to that just yet. Um, So I, you know, will go ahead and decorate my planner with, you know, a sticker and use that to say like, oh, you know, I have an FPRA meeting or something like that coming up. And I do that the week, excuse me, the weekend before the week comes. So if I posted that video on Tuesday, there's a good chance that Saturday or Sunday before is when I filmed that video. I do plan during the course of the month, like basically at any time that something comes up. So if I book myself for something the following month, like let's say I've I've booked myself for an appointment in December, like I will go ahead and put that in my monthly section now. So that way when I'm going to sit down with my planner, I can make sure that I'm not overbooking myself for things. I I review my monthly uh, section probably at least once a week, mostly to see if I need to add something to my weekly spread as I'm planning, but also to kind of keep in mind what might be upcoming that I want to keep at front of mind. And then I do have a couple of different planning systems, which, you know, for some people that's like, how isn't it just reductive at that point to have that many planning systems? But for me, they all serve different purposes. And I do use them very intentionally and differently from each other. So for me personally, it works. Um, But when I do get really busy, as you just mentioned, Valerie, for me to stay committed and accountable to the time that I have and make the best use of it, I will um, stop using the bigger, larger size weekly planner that I have and switch to a smaller daily planner, which has an hourly layout and I will time block. I'll go ahead and put, you know, it's time to go pick up my son at this time. So I'm going to take a quick break to go do that. And then when I come back, I'm going to work on this next task or whatever it might be. Um, so I do also change systems as as the needs and as my schedule changes um, kind of in real time. And that's been working for me. And I've changed planner systems a lot over the years. Since 2014, my planner have evolved and changed many, many times along the course of those six years. And I have no regrets about it because I feel like planners kind of grow and change and mature alongside with you. I think it's perfectly perfectly normal. And I think it makes sense if a person finds a planner system that works for them and uses that maybe for a lifetime or for a, a long time. But for me, I've always kind of liked being able to change things up and uh, change what layout I'm using or style of planner uh, along the lines of whatever is working for me at that point in our lives. I think that's so important because especially in a year right now that has been so unpredictable, just to be able to adapt to to what you need at the time and what your priorities are and what your life looks like, I think that's definitely, you know, a good thing to be able to adjust that process and I enjoy the plan with me videos. I think they're so therapeutic. <laughs> I love all of the stickers. I think that's I think that's so cool to watch. And I think that listeners will really enjoy that as well. Now, something you did touch on as well is having multiple systems maybe going at once. I think at minimum for probably a lot of people, they may be writing in maybe a weekly planner, but they also have things going in their phone, maybe a to-do list somewhere in the house. How do you really stay on top of things and not get overwhelmed if you have a few different systems kind of going at once? So I think as soon as the system starts becoming overwhelming for me is like, then I know I need to stop using it. And it may be that I stop using it for a period of time, maybe not permanently, but I'm like, this isn't working for me. I'm just going to abandon this thing. And that's okay. You can do that. It's your planner. It's your organizational system. If it's becoming overwhelming or not helpful to you, then I would 
say don't do it, um, which I've definitely done over the course of the six years that I've been doing this with more intention and 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 making it a more regular part of my life. Um, but I also would say, like for me, we have a monthly calendar in our kitchen that sits actually above where my husband's makeshift work from home uh, setup is right now, and that's kind of our agreed upon place to uh, put commitments that might impact the other person. So I've got an after work, uh, well, not in COVID times, but before COVID times, I'd be like, I have an after uh, work meeting with a client or I have an after work uh, happy hour with my coworkers. So that's going to mean that I need you to leave work on time so you can be home with our son. So um, I can do that. And we have somebody that is covering, um, you know, caring for our son or my husband, you know, back before when he was in school, oh, I've got a study group on Saturday. So try not to make plans with your friends on Saturday morning or something like that, because I'm going to be gone for the first half of the day. And that's kind of our space where that's our agreed upon, you know, you put your stuff there, I'll put my stuff there, if it's going to create a conflict for each other. And then, you know, things that are happening while he's at work or when he's, you know, was in school I really wouldn't over communicate those things to him because it really didn't impact him so it was kind of like it doesn't really need to know all of those sorts of things so I keep it to myself um but I think having that communication if you are in a situation where you have a partner or roommate where you kind of rely on each other to take care of a, a child or a pet or something like that or whatever that's a really important part of your system if you're living with another person that I think is uh, crucial in order to make sure that everything is going smoothly and then figure out what works for you. And you know, you don't necessarily have to involve, like I said, that other person in that thing, just keep it to yourself if it's working for you. And if it's not working for you, stop using it, see if you need to come back to it. And if you decide you want to come back to it, and you're like, Oh, okay, maybe if I try this differently, it's going to work for me. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, you just (laughs) find a new way to organize or stay accountable on that thing. Um, Or you just say, Hey, maybe there's a way that I can use my current planning system or organization system to stay on top of that um, goal or that habit or that project or whatever, using what I currently have. That definitely makes sense because I think it is true for couples, families, even roommates. It can be hard to kind of stay on top of each other's schedules, but having that system in place and the communication when needed is going to go a lot further. And so I do think that's really important. Now, you are working from home right now. I think Mm -hmm. many of our listeners are. How are you staying organized and motivated right now in this new environment? Um, (laughs) So at the beginning of the pandemic, my organization system went out the door uh, because I was, as I was talking to before we started recording, Valerie, uh, in survival mode, and I kind of still am to a certain degree. Uh, But I didn't stress myself out about having a planning system. I just needed to get through each day, each week, take it day by day, and not put too much pressure on myself to be worried about, oh, well, what's upcoming? Like, I just need to get through what was on my plate, like, at that exact moment. So I was basically surviving, like a lot of people, on notepads and sticky notes and uh, little post-its around my house and everything like that. And that's what worked for me, and I was able to get through that time. Now that we're talking basically eight months of my being at home, I have have definitely as of about maybe three months ago kind of uh, refined and really gotten serious about having an organizational system at home for work in particular uh, that is separate from my personal uh, planning system. So back when I first started in the planning community, I had uh, my work uh, planning and my home personal planning in the same planner. And over time, I found that wasn't working, especially as my job 
I had gotten a couple of promotions by that point, had grown more complex, and it just didn't make sense to. I'm very um, uh, generous with what I share with my community on Instagram and YouTube, and there were some work things that I just didn't feel like it was even appropriate anymore for me to be sharing those things. Uh, so I switched it into its own wor- uh, work planning system. And so back in about maybe June or July, I started using, as you mentioned earlier, the Hobonichi, which I basically just use in a very minimalist, simple bullet journal kind of style. I set little sections for the Hobonichi up every single week to stay on top of daily habits that I have as far as checking project management systems, our um, social media content inbox, our creative request system, all those sorts of things. And then I just kind of have a running to-do list. And if there's any in-person appointments or I there's a lot of filming that we do at our job, if I have a shoot that I have to go to and go visit one of our locations, then I'll make a note of that for that day of the week. And so it's very, very functional right now. It's not something that I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to feel like, okay, project planning and future planning and goal setting and everything like that and it's just been what has been good for me to help me get through this time so it's been functional and now that I've been like okay this is working for me I'm actually getting ready to refine and revise it yet again for 2021 because while I've been in survival mode and like I said the last three months or so this system has been suiting me it's time to start getting back to okay how do we plan for an upcoming year how do I start planning for projects that are three six nine months down the line instead of dealing with them as they come which is kind of what the year has been like for a lot of us a lot of our projects that we had in mind you know back in January for June looked probably incredibly different or didn't happen by the time June rolled around so um, because of that it just didn't even make sense to be future planning too much because what does the future even look like when you can't predict what's going to happen so yeah it's it's a constant evolving process but I do feel like I'm getting a better handle on it now and if you're still one of those people that's in survival mode of post-its and notepads that's totally okay but I think you'll find oh I, I lost track of that task or I wasn't as ahead on that project as I wanted to be that's usually the sign that you need to kind of tighten up your system and maybe find something that's going to keep you a little bit more accountable. And I think that's such a good point, having something separate for work and home life, because, you know, I do keep little to-do lists for each on a daily basis. But as far as my work projects go, that really doesn't factor into some of my planning for the week. And I think about, you know, I I certainly have a list of what I'm going to do that week personally, but it would be just as effective to have something for my professional life as well. And so to be more intentional I think that that's, you know, a really effective tool to have. And then to be able to rework that, you know, as we start to adjust a little bit more and start to leave that survival mode a little bit more. And, you know, we're about to enter a new year. It's been a really crazy one. I'm sure that 2021, (laughs) yeah, hopefully 2021 will end in a different way than we started it. But I would love to know, you know, in a time that is so unpredictable, how are you planning for 2021? So for 2021, I, you know, I think we learned a lot of things in this year that are going to carry into 2021, because at this point, we don't know when this is all going to be over, but we have some signs, you know, obviously, we've gotten some good news with vaccines that is that are promising and everything like that. So we can be hopeful that, you know, this time next year, we will start to see signs of normalcy again. So because of that, I'm kind of planning that the things that we did this past year are going to continue and they're going to be the new normal 
for us, um, at least for the end of the year. So in my particular case, you know, working at a library, our big initiative is always a summer reading program. Everybody remembers that from their childhood. And so for us, you know, we Back in March, we're planning on having our ginormous summer reading program where we have events that sometimes there's 500 people at. And by April, uh, you know, early May, it became very clear that that was probably even earlier than early May, probably April, if I'm being honest, uh, that became very clear that that was not going to be possible. So we, you know, pivoted very quickly from between April and June to an entirely uh, virtual summer reading program, which we had never done before. And it was quite a lot of work and the public, you know, information campaign and the social media messaging and promotions that came subsequent um, from that decision to pivot and offer something different and even explain to our customers how they take part in that was very very uh, challenging, but we've already decided going into 2021 that that's what we're going to be doing um, going forward for 2021. And if we do have the option to offer a couple of in-person programs uh, come June, then we will do those on a case-by-case basis. But even in that situation, we anticipate that they're going to be pretty small. So knowing that this is going to be our plan and this is what we're going to stick to with the possibility of very minor, small changes getting added to it, I know now having gone through the experience of how do I even explain to people what a virtual summer reading program is when they're Mm -hmm. used to going to things in person. Um, I can use that education and the lessons that we learned of, well, this strategy didn't work for this, or we could improve upon the messaging here or there, um, using those tools to better inform us of what our uh, strategy and promotions will be in the coming year is kind of how I am looking at 2021 going forward, specifically for work. I think that's really important too, rather than kind of waiting and seeing if it gets better and then being stressed out as you have to scramble and replan just to kind of assume things are kind of going to be the same for a while. I think some things will always be the same, but hopefully a lot of these things can go back to normal maybe in another year. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a great way to, to really look at that. And, you know, going into this new year as well, people have their New Year's resolutions. They're maybe going to look a little different in 2021. But what tips do you have overall for goal setting and, you know, really setting some goals that are going to stick? I think you really, so I, this year was an interesting year because I, at the end of 2019, bought a literal goal setting planner, which uh, probably is like really weird and very niche to some people who are listening right now. Um, But I realized that even though I had always been the sort of person that always wrote down my goals and did a little journaling in a notebook about why those things were important to me or how I thought I might obtain those goals, I really wanted to more critically look at the goals that I had been setting for myself and kind of uh, examine the whys and hows of where I wanted to be or where I thought I wanted to be. And so I purchased this goal planning system and it was very intense. And so um, the first couple of weeks was literally me just answering questions about like, what is your legacy? What do you hope your legacy to be? Um, What does a perfect day look like for you? Um, What sorts of things do you find yourself spending time on that you after the fact don't feel good about or you do feel good about or whatever the case may be? And so some of those questions really got me thinking about my why and got me thinking about my, um, 
daily life and the sort of time that I was spending on things that weren't serving me, like scrolling social media endlessly and stuff like that. And those are things that all of us are guilty of. And obviously in 2020, I was not quite as effective and great at that goal as I had hoped to be uh, because we were spending a lot of time indoors. And so that's just like prime for spending a lot of time on your phone and devices and stuff like that. But it at least gave me thoughts of the life that I kind of want to live and the the legacy that I want to leave behind for my family. So I set a bunch of goals for myself, some of which, you know, just through the course of what this year has been, were not things that I was able to obtain. And I don't feel bad about them. I'm okay with that because I know that those things are still important to me and that even though I didn't make progress on some of those goals or as much progress as I had hoped to make on those goals, like those are things that are fundamentally true about me or things that I want to be true about myself as I mature and grow older and wiser. So it's okay. I will make progress on them on next year and the year after that because I don't always feel like to your goal have to be a destination like do this thing check it off and you know uh, put an x on the box and that's it you're done I think goals can sometimes be about constantly checking in on a certain area of your life to see that you continue to grow and challenge your beliefs about stuff or your norms and um, see if there's opportunity for you to examine blind spots that you might have and see if you can get better on that particular skill or area of life or just like I said even a belief system constantly challenging belief system can be a goal for you I think 2020 was a really great year for that. Mm -hmm. And I'm someone who definitely loves to check a box. I always have lists every year for my birthday of the the places I want to go and things I want to see. And then my list of, you know, what I want to accomplish that year. And the year definitely ended differently than anticipated. But I don't think it was a waste either because, you know, looking back, I also, if I hadn't had this time to reflect and think about what I really wanted, I wouldn't have started a podcast yet. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, kind of shifting the perspective a little bit and taking the time to think about, you know, who am I? What is my why? I think that's just as important because you're still, as you said, those goals are not necessarily a destination, but something that we can work toward and kind of that journey. And so I, I do think that that's really important, especially in times right now that things are a lot less I hate to say, you know, life wasn't necessarily predictable before, but things are extremely unpredictable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'll give you an example. I have the planner right here. I actually pulled it out because I uh, figured we might talk about this. And so some of the goals that I chose for myself were to work on my mental health and work on my overall mindset. I could be a person that I um, get overwhelmed and frustrated easily. And that kind of leads to like my negative thinking and kind of being a little bit of a pessimist. And I wanted to work on that this year. And I'm not saying that I made great strides in that particular area of my life, but I know I made some changes. And I know that there were some situations that had I not been more committed and intentional about that goal, having that on my mind, I might not have handled those situations the way that I did. And I'm grateful that I committed myself to having that as a goal, because I think it reminded me like, hey, we want to work on this and we don't want our normal response to the situation to be the normal response in the situation. We want to challenge ourselves to do better. So um, that was one. Another one was just challenging myself to live a little bit more boldly and take more risks. I'm definitely like, if I want to take a risk on this thing kind of person they're like eh, that sounds like it might be a little bit too much outside of my comfort zone and so I'll just stay in my comfort zone and I had very specific um 
ideas of how I would accomplish that goal in this year. And of course, a lot of those ways that I thought I would do that didn't happen because it had a lot to do with, you know, doing public speaking in person or being at events in person and those opportunities didn't come up. But, um, you know, just even being on this podcast with you, like, I've never had this experience before, really. I, I think this is my second podcast interview in this year. And like, that's something that I had never done before. And I was worried that I might not be so eloquent or that no one would want to listen to me or something like that or whatever. And yet here I am, you know, taking a risk and saying yes to something that while I'm not sure of how people might receive it, um, I'm still putting myself out there and challenging myself to do something that it's not really familiar to me and isn't necessarily in my uh, comfort zone. So I think like I said, maybe having goals sometimes. I, I think it's great to have things like one of my goals this year was to read more. And I did set a goal for myself. I set a goal to read 12 books. And thankfully, I've already surpassed that goal, um, which has been awesome. But it, it's okay to have goals like that. But I also think it's good when you can give yourself room to have goals that grow with you and that evolve with you. And that, like I said, it's not always about like, oh, at the end of the year, I can check that off. I did that. It's okay. I can name some situations or um, experiences where I can see that I made growth in this area and I want to continue to have more experiences that I can draw on in the coming year where I can say, oh yeah, I did handle that differently or oh yes, I did find myself saying yes to something that before I would have been too scared to say yes to. I think that's so important and I think that you're right. You can get out of your comfort zone and it might just look a little bit different now than it would have you know, what we were picturing a year ago. So I do think that's, you know, a really great way to look at it. I think mental health has been a huge one this year as mm-hmm. well. We don't have the distractions we had before. It's harder to kind of self-numb by, for me, it's making myself as busy as possible. A hundred percent can relate. <laughs> Absolutely. And even just, you know, seeing people and, you know, it's it's not the same as it used to be. And so, I think one of my goals this year that I have kind of ironically been able to follow is my one word theme. I was focused on quality over quantity this year. So at the beginning of the year, my goal was really to be intentional about what events I chose to attend and what what I decided to take on in my schedule and things like that. And just really focusing on the quality over the quantity, I think in every aspect, but especially as far as overbooking myself goes. And now in this, you know, in the situation that we're in, you've sort of been forced to do that and to Mm -hmm. really evaluate what do you want? What do you not want going into the following year and past the pandemic? And maybe I haven't checked as much off my list this year, but I've had a lot of time for self-reflection and to really think about what do I want and kind of focusing at least on that self-growth. Yeah, I think this year, more than ever, we're primed to be so much more thoughtful and intentional about what we want in the coming year. Because like you said, there was so much time for self-reflection. And um, like I said, just examining so many things about our lives. Like this thing that we used to do before COVID, do we still need to do that anymore? Like we're not doing it now and our life is still just as full and happy without that thing. And I think it's okay to constantly do that. I think it's harder, obviously, when we don't have all the downtime. So it's definitely 
definitely it requires a certain amount of self-accountability and discipline to check in with yourself on a more regular basis. And maybe that's something you do quarterly, you know, um, if you're not someone who's going to invest in a goal setting planner like I did, then maybe it's just setting time on your iCal or on uh, in your planner. If you have a planner, um, setting yourself at once a quarter to kind of sit and check in with your um, with yourself, with your goals and say, like, what am I doing that is serving me or not serving me in this area of my life? And what can I do differently? Maybe not immediately, but going forward to do less of this thing or to do more of it if it's something that fills your cup. That's such a good point too, because I think, you know, a lot of times we set these goals for ourselves and even, you know, we set these intentions maybe in January or in December, and then we don't check back in with ourselves until the end of the year. And we're Mm -hmm. thinking, God, I didn't do anything that I, (laughs) and just to be checking in with ourselves and seeing what's working and what's not working or how am I progressing toward this? Or is this even a priority anymore? Um, You know, that is really important. I mentioned that I had a one word theme. I know that you do those as well. Did you have a word for 2020 or do you have one planned for 2021? I did have one for 2020. I've not had a chance to give much thought to 2021 just yet, but um, it is on my radar actually. But my word for 2020 was purposeful. And in the same vein as what you kind of spoke to, Valerie, um, I'm a person that it stays very busy. Like that's mm-hmm. where my comfort zone is. Like having a lot of downtime makes me anxious. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not, I can't even necessarily pinpoint why, but that's just how I am. And so for me, even being busy all the time, though, I did recognize at the end of last year that as busy as I was, the things that I was spending time on were not necessarily things that served the person that I wanted to be or my family. Or like I said, I I did a lot of reflection on my legacy, uh, what I would like that to be. And I found that a lot of the things I was spending time in uh, time on were not things that were filling a specific purpose. It was just things that I was doing because I felt like I had to out of obligation or things that I did because I didn't want to hurt someone's feelings or say no to something or disappoint someone. I am a people pleaser by default. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard for me to say no to things and to uh, you know disappoint people. And so uh, I made a commitment to myself as difficult as it would be to be more purposeful with my time and with the things that I said yes to. And I started off the year very great Obviously, because the first two months of the year were were good. Um, obviously, by March, life changed dramatically, and life has looked very different since then. Um, but I do find myself continuing that thought of trying to be more purposeful with how I spend my time. And I've not necessarily been able to be great at it because, you know, one of the goals I had this year, which again, at the beginning of the year, I was great about was um, seeking out like a better balance between work and just kind of setting some time to uh like kind of have peace with the work that I do um, mm-hmm. and not allow it to intrude upon my time um, after hours or on the weekends or time that I should be spending with my family. And so this obviously working at home, not having been in that situation before made that a challenge. And as we were talking about before we recorded too, my job got busier for a lot of people, their work potentially slowed down or unfortunately they dealt with layoffs and stuff like that. And fortunately for me, I have kept my job, but I've been busier than ever. And this year has been truly exhausting in a way that I never thought was possible. And I sincerely hope I never repeat in any sort of way whatsoever. But as difficult as it's been to kind of uh, stay committed to that word purposeful, it's something that I, I think there were probably some instances as far as like putting down the phone and being present with my son and husband um, since we did spend so much time together this year or um, 
you know, choosing to go outside and enjoy the fresh air and spending time outdoors versus just sitting around on the couch watching Netflix or something like that. So it looked different than I expected it to be, but I did as often as I could in the time that I could um, actually be mindful of those sorts of things to try to be more purposeful. And who knows, maybe it's the word that I continue into 2021 as well. I'm not sure. I, I have done that before for a very long time. The word that I kind of meditated on was discipline. And I think I did that for about two or three years and then I switched to another word but yeah I, I think that's normal too so I think there's sometimes a pressure to have like a new word every single year mm-hmm. and I will say that I don't think you necessarily have to do that if you feel like that's a that's an intention that you want to continue to meditate on even after a year of making progress like then I would encourage someone to keep it going forward into the new year I agree. I think there's no rules when it comes to that. And I think purposeful, I relate so much on that. I think because I had a lot of the same intention behind my word. I think that that's something that we all really could take into 2021, especially. (laughs) Yeah. Once things do kind of open back up and really thinking about what do I actually want and what do I not miss? What did I dread before that I'm that I'm not doing right now? And really thinking about that. Interestingly, that word kind of became relevant to me in a way that I didn't expect this year too, as far as like, obviously, back in the summer, there were a lot of protests, um, a lot of conversations around equity, social justice, inclusion, diversity, racism, all those sorts of things. And I found myself being more purposeful about the brands that I was supporting and the people that I was following and the consumer decisions that I was making. And that's something that I decided I want to continue into 2021 as well. So that's just a note on how even as you intend for a word to have a specific purpose and serve um, as an intention that you carry into um, a new year, it can also kind of like as as the times change and as the world evolves around you, um, that word and the purpose that it serves can also evolve around you as well, which is um, which is my first time, I think, ever really experiencing that on that level, which was interesting. I didn't expect that. I had a similar experience with that as well. I think it was really a time of reflection for so many of us. And especially as allies, you want to support in the best way that you can. And realizing for me personally, I I wasn't necessarily putting the intention behind the things that I that I wanted to support and toward the people that I wanted to support. And this time really made me sit back and reflect on, you know, what media am I consuming? Who's right. con- whose content am I supporting? And even down to managing one of the blogs for my company, thinking about, you know, the types of resources I was posting there, making sure that there was some diversity in what Mm -hmm. I was including. And I think that sense of purpose and, you know, having that intention behind what you're consuming and what you're putting out into the world. This was definitely the year for that. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's something that has carried forward with me since the the summer because I had always considered myself someone to be thoughtful about that, but I felt like I went like leveled up on a certain in a certain way uh, with that particular area of my life where it was like, okay, I 
you know, I think a lot of us felt this way. It's one thing to be uh, not racist, but it's another thing to be anti-racist. And I think that's yes. kind of where that started to happen for me, where it's like, yeah, I don't support any of these sorts of people or I, I'm outspoken about this sort of uh, topic, but what can I do in more ways and how can I be more clear about where I stand um, so there's no room for any sort of confusion? You know, I think especially if you're on social media and you have a certain amount of following, there can be like a fear to speak out about certain things or alienate certain people and I kind of just had to get to a point where I was like no like this is my duty this is my responsibility to be very clear and unequivocal about how I feel where I stand Um, and so even on that level it became about having a greater purpose and thinking about what purpose I'm I, I, I have on social media and what, what the job that I have um, could be and could look like in a better uh, way, like you said, in, in, in an effort to be a better ally, being more purposeful with how I came across and what I was sharing and who I was supporting and if I was being inclusive and diverse enough with the sort of people that I was promoting or following or brands or anything like that. So I'll be curious to see, like, I feel like I'm talking myself into purposeful again as we chat <laughs> here for my word for 2021. So we'll see if that's what I choose or not but yeah I think it's just fascinating like I said thinking about this last year and reflecting on it here with you right now thinking about how that word evolved for me from what I originally thought it could mean for myself in 2020 to what it actually turned out to be. I think that's so powerful and you know as you said I think this has really been a year of reflection for you know, how we live our lives, who are we supporting, what are we putting into the world. Being in community engagement, I have always been really nervous to post anything that could be remotely controversial to anyone on my social Mm -hmm. media. And over time, I've realized, you know, that I don't want to be complicit in any of the things I disagree with and that I think are wrong against human beings. And So this has been a time where, you know, maybe I'm not posting completely anti-Trump everywhere all the time, (laughs) but, you know, certainly expressing that, yes, I support the Black Lives Matter movement. I support different people. I want to learn how to be more actively anti-racist and Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, really make sure that I'm listening to diverse voices because I think the more that we do, we learn how similar we actually all are. And it brings us all together in a different way. And the inequality in this country and in the world, I think, unfortunately, while I knew it was there, this was really the time to reflect and learn our own biases and, you know, what the institution, you Mm -hmm. know, the institutional biases. So I think reflection has been a huge thing this year for so many of us. And, you know, you actually shared, so you had a gratitude reflection challenge on your blog. I loved that. I'm actually really excited. I'm going to be taking some time probably tomorrow to sit down and just write down some of those things. Tell me about this gratitude reflection challenge, what inspired it, and just why gratitude is so important in a year like this. So the challenge started last year. Um, I had always seen like gratitude challenges going out on social media, like today I'm grateful for this, or this week I'm grateful for this. And 
I'll be honest, some days it's really hard for me to find things to be grateful for. And I know that sounds incredibly privileged, so I would like to make that clear to all listeners. Um, But some days you're just having a bad day, you know what I mean? And you just are like, this day sucked and I can't, there's almost hardly anything that I can feel like I'm grateful for right now. Even if it's like, well, I have a job, but my job was kind of the worst today. It was miserable. People kind of suck today. Um, Those days happen and that's very normal. And I want to be the sort of person that normalizes not feeling good about stuff all the time. I think in the planner community in particular, um, but across the internet, there can be this like toxic positivity uh, Mm -hmm. movement where it's like, it's overlooking the fact that people, um, you know, we're just talking about biases and racism and institutional racism and stuff like that. Like there are sometimes really awful things that happen to people uh, that have nothing to do with anything. It's not grounded in any sort of reality. It's just the, the, toxicity of the world that we live in and um, the bad decisions that sometimes people in charge um, make. And so how do we hold space for people when they're not feeling that great about their situation or whatever it is that they're dealing with? And I think that's normal. But I also think that balance is incredibly important and putting into perspective, like I said, the privileges that many of us have and the good things that are happening to us. And so that was kind of my way of taking back the power in those sorts of things because I think the intention behind them are very um, genuine but I think they can overlook the fact that everybody has different situations and that every day uh, it might not be easy to find something like I said to be grateful for so what can we look back on that would be like for the most part universally true for people that they had some sort of experience or moment where they could find something to be grateful for and that's kind of where the gratitude reflection challenge started last year and so I revived it this year and of course it was very different from last year's challenge where some of the things that I asked people last year to be grateful for had to do with like in-person experiences or going places and so obviously that was a not the reality for most of us this year. So I tried to adjust it uh, based on the, you know, global shared experience of living mm-hmm. through a pandemic and uh, I think it's been helpful for me because At the beginning of the pandemic, I had been trying to stay on top of journaling and everything like that, and it quickly fell away by the time summer came around because life was just... It was a lot. And honestly, I couldn't hold space for my feelings and I didn't want to sit down with them and Mm -hmm. um, put them out on paper. I just couldn't deal with it. It was just too much for me at the time. And so now that I've kind of gotten through like what I feel like were some of the hardest months of this year, I feel like I can look back on uh, this past year and have some better perspective on what those experiences were, look at them a little bit more objectively and appreciate them more than I probably could at that time. So that is kind of the goal and intention behind the challenge and it's you know accessible to everybody um like I made clear in my blog post about it not all of these prompts may be for you some of these prompts may be painful for some people to explore just yet if they've had certain experiences this year that would make that a challenge um and it's just meant to be a starting point for people to be thinking about what sorts of things did happen to us this year the little moments the little experiences or the big things the big moments like one of the uh prompts this year is something you unlearned this year what is something that you unlearned and that might be heavy and that might be something that is not as simple as like when someone sent you a gift card for some Starbucks on a day when you didn't expect it or something like that um that's something that's obviously a little bit deeper so um you know let's explore that a little bit let's unpack it now that it's been some time or maybe it hasn't been very long but it's just an opportunity for you to do some reflection on those experiences that you've had this past year I think that's such an incredible way to look at it because I think you're right. We 
tend to go toward the toxic positivity at times. I think the wellness community is just as guilty. And I think that we can still have gratitude for the good things that have happened and find those spot, those brighter spots in the year and just the things that we've learned and the things that we may not take the time to think of because maybe mm-hmm. they are smaller, but still impactful. I think so many of us look at 2020 and we're quick to say, you know, this year was a dumpster fire. Nothing good happened. And, you know, let's leave 2020 and 2020. But I do think there was a lot that we learned and definitely, as you said, unlearned. There's so much, I think, for so many of us. And I think having that reflection and I've heard scientifically in general that having gratitude, it's almost impossible to be anxious while Mm -hmm. practicing gratitude. And I think unfortunately for so many of us, anxiety has been at a high this year with so much going on and so much uncertainty. And so I think having a, a gratitude practice and to be thinking of it in these terms since this year, I think it is going to be more of perspective shifting. Whereas maybe last year we could look at, you know, I'm really grateful for this amazing trip I took and, right, you know, the celebrations we had and all of the, you know, the large events we went to. And it just, it's not the same, but we can still find, I think, some beauty in a difficult year. So I think, I think that challenge is amazing. And I'm really excited to just really sit and think and write those things down because I do think that there are things that we can reflect on that make us realize this year does not have to be a total loss. Yeah. And, you know, no matter what your situation was, I'm sure there was at least one day that you had a really good cup of coffee or that you opened up the avocado and it was perfect inside or little (laughs) things like that, you know, or that you, um, caught a virtual concert like one of the things I had on there was like a virtual concert or event or reunion or something like that that would not have happened if not for COVID because of course so many of those happen um, to raise money for families that were affected or restaurants that were affected by all the closures and stuff like that or just because there's literally almost nothing else to do for some of these entertainment personalities right now and so like what is something that you watched or that you had a chance to experience that like this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for this pandemic um and there's there's something to be grateful for like I said maybe only five of the prompts are prompts that you are like okay I could get into that those are things that I could write something down for out of the 26 that I have on there that's fine like you said I think it's just the the practice and the act of being grateful for something that is important and I think it's a very grounding and important exercise for us to do on a regular basis and especially if you're a person that like I said you're sometimes default can be negative or can be a little bit pessimistic. It's important to kind of create some balance for yourself and remind yourself that there are things to be happy, positive, and optimistic about uh, while also holding space for the fact that sometimes things just suck. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's so important and just something that we, we all need to remind ourselves for sure. Now, switching gears, I would love to get into some rapid fire questions. So our listeners, awesome. They'll get to know you a little better. And we will start with what is your top wellness tip? My top wellness tip would be to find time or make time for the things that are important to you. That is something I'm incredibly passionate about. And so whether that is wellness as far as exercising, eating healthy, just self-care in general, making time to see a therapist or to, um, you know, be in nature or whatever it might be, whatever wellness looks like for you, taking care of yourself and prioritizing self-care 
do it. That is my number one tip. Just make the time for it. And if you're in a situation where you have another person to consider, like a spouse or you have a family, make that a priority and make that a point of communication with that person to uh, have that mutually agreed uh, understanding that this is important to you and you need to find time for it. I could not agree more. I think that's incredibly important for, you know, just our self-care to be listening to our needs and communicating that to our loved ones as needed. If they Mm -hmm. maybe need to pick up here and there or what have you, but just having that support and having that communication. This is almost a mean question in 2020. (laughs) Okay. What is your favorite travel destination? Um, my favorite travel destination. So I think my favorite travel destination would be uh, the Dominican Republic. So that is where my mom's side of the family is from. And it's been literal years since I've gone uh, because like I've had a kid in the last six years. My husband's been in school, all those things. Um, I haven't gone in quite a while, but it's absolutely beautiful. The beaches there are gorgeous. The um, tropic, you know, rainforest uh, type areas are absolutely beautiful as well. And I highly recommend that you put it on your travel destination list. Yes, that sounds amazing. (laughs) Um, If you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? Um, I feel like I'd probably be a cat, uh, just because I feel like I have the personality of a cat and they are so chill. They just kind of do what they want. Uh, they are, you know, those sorts of animals that I think most people are like, okay, if the cat does not want to be bothered, we're going to leave the cat alone or (laughs) the cat wants to be rubbed. So we'll make sure that we rub the cat. Like that, that's me. That's the kind of person that I am when I'm not in the mood for any sort of like personal affection or anything like that. Like, please stay away from me. But when I want it, I want it all and please give me your undivided attention (laughs) it's funny you say that I'm I've always thought of myself as a dog person but (laughs) um I've had a couple of people answer cat and the more I hear that the more I think I might be a cat (laughs) (laughs) um what is your number one favorite show to binge uh, my number one favorite show, if I said anything but this, my husband would probably freak out on me, uh, is Gilmore Girls. That's my number one favorite show to binge. I've watched it God knows how many times. Um, it's just a very lighthearted show and I've seen it so many times that I already know everything that happens. So it's a show that I tend to watch in the background as I'm working because I can listen to the dialogue and the banter and still laugh because the jokes are still funny to me without needing to have like my eyes trained on the screen to know what's happening. So that's definitely uh, my number one binge watch show for me. Gotta love Gilmore Girls. And it's so funny because the references and everything too, the more old movies I see and things that I learn the, it, you get You're something like, new. I get that now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, important question with that. Are you team Jess, Dean, or Logan, or no one? I'm kind of team, team none of them uh, because I think they all had really t- terrible things about them. Yeah. But I also, the more that I've watched the show, I'm also like, Rory was also awful. So I'm just kind of like, eh, none of you deserve happiness and you probably, none of you should be in a relationship with each other because they're toxic. So you're probably all best being solo and single. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> I was always team Jess and watching him back in high school. I'm like, God, he's like a horrible boyfriend. Yeah. I think I'm team Jess as an adult but not team Rory at that point. Yes. Yeah. I can see that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so on a similar note, what is your favorite social distancing activity? 
Um, my favorite social distancing activity is probably laying in my bed watching Netflix with my AirPods on, uh, hiding from my husband and son so I have some <laughs> genuine alone time. That's probably my favorite. But if you're talking about like family and being present with my family, uh, one of the things that I actually wrote down for my gratitude reflection challenge was that I have loved when the weather has cooperated, um, going out in our backyard, we have some hammocks back there and just sitting in the hammock with my son and listening to the Moana soundtrack when the weather is nice. Like that's like a perfect social distance activity for me. I love doing that. Oh, that sounds so nice, especially as the weather has finally started. Yes. To... There were a couple of months there where we couldn't do it at all because the weather was absolutely miserable, but when the weather was nice and cooperative, it was glorious. That's amazing. <laughs> Now, tell us, how can our listeners find you? So they can find me a couple of different places on Instagram and YouTube. My handle is Cynthia Plans, all one word. And if you're looking for my blog, it's www.proseccoandplanners.com. And you can reach me on any one of those three platforms and I will get in touch with you. So if you have planner questions, if you're like, I don't even know where to start, just hit me up. I'm happy to talk about planners. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And I will be sure to link all of that in our show notes. Thank you again. I have so many great takeaways as I start to plan for 2021 and could not appreciate it more. It's been a pleasure. And I'm so thankful to you for inviting me on. I've really enjoyed this experience. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Cynthia shares such actionable tips. And as soon as we stopped recording, I started looking into time blocking planners for 2021. I am very excited to share that I've officially ordered my first Big Girl Planner and some stickers, and I can't wait to try a more intentional style of planning in 2021. I think that this was a year that truly taught us to check in with ourselves and to really see what's working and what isn't. I love what Cynthia had to say about how 2020 really taught us to challenge our belief systems, especially when it comes to being more actively anti-racist. And I think that her word of purposeful for the year of 2020 was a really, really powerful one. I've linked all of Cynthia's information in the show notes, and I really encourage you to check out her Instagram and her YouTube channel to really see what she's up to and how she plans for her week. It's really, really fun to watch. As always, I absolutely love hearing your feedback. So if there is a topic you want to learn more about in a future episode, you can always shoot me a DM at wellness and wanderlust blog on Instagram, or just shoot me an email at Valerie at wellness and If you liked this episode, please rate and review the show. It helps other people find it and share with a friend that you think would enjoy wishing you and your loved ones a very Merry Christmas, and I will see you next week for the final episode of 2020.